Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, listeners of Cleveland Baseball Talk and Orange and Brown Talk. This is Doug Maurice with a special crossover episode here today for Guardians fans and Browns fans. Because we're, we're going to talk a little bit about how things work in Major League Baseball and in the NFL when it comes to deciding suspensions for players who have violated policies there. Obviously, as you're guessing, this has to do with the recent... Two-year suspension of former Cleveland pitcher Trevor Bauer, now at the L.A. Dodgers, and the current situation with Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. So we have Paul Hoynes and Mary Kay Cabot on this podcast to sort of outline the similarities and differences between Major League Baseball and the NFL when it comes to this. And then we just sort of talk about the idea of could the Bauer suspension influence anything the NFL does with Deshaun Watson? Trevor Bauer currently, starting Monday is in the appeal process of his two-year suspension. And that is going to be in the hands of an arbitration panel. And that could go on for several weeks before we find out if anything is done to the two-year suspension handed down by Major League Commissioner Rob Manfred. Meanwhile, Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, has said that the NFL is kind of getting near the end of its Deshaun Watson investigation. And we may get a ruling on that what his suspension may be. And then if Deshaun Watson appeals that suspension, that could go to Roger Goodell. So we're in the midst of this. Cleveland is obviously involved with this. Tuesday night, two of the accusers among the people who have filed the civil suits against Deshaun Watson went on HBO, talked about their stories, said that the $230 million contract given to Deshaun Watson is, to some in their minds, an insult to them. Obviously, this is this is something that is ongoing with the Browns, and it's just like you think about it, like it, it could it could be ongoing with the Guardians if Trevor Bauer was still around. Some of the accusers from Trevor Bauer, the the instances happened while he was in the Guardians organization. So this is not like super fun, like hey, crazy sports talk, hey, who's good at sports? Which is normally what we do here. I like those podcasts. This is if you if you're curious, sort of about. The inner workings of this, I think it's really valuable. We are lucky to have two people like Paul Hoynes and Mary Kay Cabot covering this stuff. So we're going to do it, both sports together. It's a Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. It's an Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Doug Maurice. I'm just here to ask questions. And we're going to get into this right now after this. So a rare undertaking here on a Cleveland.com podcast. Two legends two absolute legends of Cleveland sports writing in the same place, and then just me. 
Paul Hoynes and Mary Kay Cabot together. You guys have been colleagues for how long? A long like, time, and we probably time is right. <laughs> and we've only we've probably only been in uh, the same room maybe six times. <laughs> That's exactly right. You have defined Cleveland sports writing for decades, but rarely do you appear in the same place. So we are happy to have both Paul Hoynes and Mary Kay Cabot here with us today because we are talking about. The Deshaun Watson and Trevor Bauer situations in context of each other. And so what we want to do off the top of that is talk about how the NFL and Major League Baseball handle situations like this. What is similar about how they handle them and what is different. So Mary Kay, let's start with you. You have been reporting on this since Deshaun Watson was traded to the Browns. Again, you guys may have heard this before, but maybe not in this context. So Mary Kay, I think we can maybe operate under the assumption that our good folks listening here are not experts on the ins and outs of how the NFL is handling the Deshaun Watson situation in trying to determine how long Deshaun Watson may or may not be suspended by the NFL. Can you just sort of take us through the process of how the NFL investigates a situation like this? and then rules on a situation like this? Well, for starters, they conduct their own investigation under the personal conduct policy, uh, and that is independent of whether or not a player is charged with anything criminally or if he's involved in any civil suits. And as we know, Deshaun Watson has 22 civil suits pending against him right now, but he has not been charged with anything criminally. The NFL Uh, holds itself, it says, to a higher standard of conduct, and therefore uh, it does not rely on uh, those proceedings to determine discipline for a player. So it conducts its own investigation. And in this case, uh, the the NFL investigators are attorney Lisa Friel and Jennifer Gaffney. They're in the process of gathering all of their information right now. Uh, They spent three days last week talking to Deshaun Watson in Houston. Uh, Once they wrap up their investigation, they are also talking to, um, I think they need to talk to all of the accusers, but they are talking to uh, at least, you know, some, maybe all of the accusers. And there were 24 accusers, 22 of whom have the civil suits right now. So they're working their way through all of that. Uh, I talked to Deshaun's lawyer on Friday. They do want to talk to him again. That's not uncommon. Uh, to go back after you gather more information and then revisit it with him. So they will talk to him again. And then at some point, they will wrap up their investigation. They will hand over their findings to what is now uh, an in a jointly appointed arbitrator. And she, um, it, it's Sue L. Robinson is her name. She's a former U.S. district judge. And uh, so they will hand over their investigation, their findings to Sue L. Robinson. And then she, and this is part of the new collective bargaining agreement. It used to be that Roger Goodell was judge, jury, executioner, whatever the case may be. It was all in his hands. Uh, now they, they're doing it this way that they, no one felt that that was quite fair. So she will determine uh, whatever she thinks is best to do. It can be a fine. It can be a suspension for a fixed number of games or an indefinite suspension. Uh, It can be a combination of those things, 
And, uh, and then there can also be some probation and some conditions that you have to meet. If she doesn't suspend or fine him or levy any other sanctions against him, that's basically it uh, for now in terms of this particular investigation. That, that would be it unless there are new allegations, uh, new court cases, new you know, criminal proceedings or whatever. Uh, that would be it at that point. In the event that she does suspend him for whatever, four games, six games, eight games, at that point, then Deshaun Watson, uh, unless they have agreed not to appeal, you know, basically they come up with something and they all arrive at something everybody feels comfortable with, uh, you know, then that's what it is. But if he opts to appeal, then it gets turned over to Roger Goodell. And at that point, Roger Goodell or his designee can alter, modify, reduce, enhance, whatever. Enhance. You yes. could potentially appeal and wind up with a longer suspension. Yes. Yes. She can say six games. He can say a year if he wants to. So, um, you know, and sometimes maybe the, the court of public opinion will will weigh in, you know, after that initial wave of, of discipline. And, you know, maybe things change after that too. So, uh, you know, those, those are all things to consider, but it, you know, so again, if she does nothing, then he can't do something, but if she decides on whatever she decides upon, then Deshaun can appeal. And at that point it's up to Roger. So he has, you know, for the most part, he has the ultimate say in this, in the end, uh, but now there is just that interim step. So that's so basically it. If if they if she rules, say she gives Deshaun Watson a 10 game suspension, if he just accepts that and does not appeal, then Roger Goodell does not come into the equation. Roger Goodell can only change the length of the suspension if Deshaun Watson appeals. Is that correct? Yes. OK, that, that is correct. OK, so so let's use this framework, Poinsy, to discuss then how Major League Baseball handles this. And then we can have you guys maybe talk about how these leagues arrived at this. What Mary Kay described, Paul, as the independent investigation by the league that is separate from whatever is happening with law enforcement or whatever is happening in court cases that's similar to how Major League Baseball handles it. They have their own separate investigation, Paul. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct, Doug. And, um, you know, but in in the case for Trevor Bauer, he's already been suspended. They right. suspended him on April 29th for 324 games, which we, if, if the, the whole suspension holds, he would be able to he wouldn't be able to pitch until the 19th game of the 2024 season. So with the suspension already in place, now Bauer has appealed, you know, under the uh, terms of the uh, sexual assault, child abuse policy, MLB's policy that I think has been in effect since 2015. Now he will appeal that. And uh, the appeal reportedly started yesterday and this could go on. It's almost like a, a, a jury trial again. But the key part here is, there's an arbitration panel, three-person panel. Uh, one panel is appointed by the MLB owners. The other is appointed by the players. So the deciding vote is a, a, an arbitrator, a professional arbitrator, Martin Scheman. He, he was hired last year by 
the league and the players association. And he will cast the, you know, the deciding vote here on whether, on what kind of penalty uh, Bauer could face. Will he face the whole 324 games? Will it be reduced or will there be no penalty at all? So it sounds like then that the two leagues have a similar process, but in a slightly different order. Both have independent investigations that they undertake separate from what happens in the legal system or in a court of law. In the NFL, then the initial decision on a suspension or not a suspension is made by an outside person, not by the commissioner. In Major League Baseball, that initial decision the decision to suspend Trevor Bauer for two years was made by Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Then both leagues have sort of an appeal process. So in the NFL, it's this outside person makes the ruling and then the appeal is heard by the commissioner. In Major League Baseball, the initial decision is made by the commissioner and then the appeal is heard by this three-person panel. It's, it's a three, it's investigation, decision, appeal process, but in slightly different orders. Does that sound right? Yeah, I, I should say, I should say, like like Mary Kay said in, in in the Watson case, you know, he was not criminally charged. He was, you know, uh, twice in 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 uh, California. He was, you know, there was no, uh, the woman that brought the original charges against him, she wanted a, 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 protect, uh, a protection uh stay and and that did not judge did not you know grant her that and then there were no criminal charges um you know brought against him from the LA district attorney but while this was going on that lasted for eight months and then while this was going on MLB conducted its own 10-month investigation and that's what prompted his suspension and both these situations Deshaun Watson and Trevor Bauer had, had time where they did not play while things sort of played out, but they were not suspended. Now, Deshaun's was sort of related to not wanting to play in Houston. Trevor was out. It does feel like there is a similar process. Mary Kate, do you feel, how important do you think is it to any pro sports league, but specifically to the NFL, to have a pretty clear process in place for something like this? That maybe, and you said it was a recent change to the collective bargaining with the NFL to have that arbitrator in between the investigation and Roger Goodell. How important is the process for sort of the players and the league as a whole to feel like they're being fair on both sides? The process is vitally important. And I believe that this might be the first case in which they are using the jointly appointed uh, go between there. Okay. Uh, since the new collective bargaining agreement, since this went into effect, um, so this this is probably the the first time, and they're going to see, I guess, how it goes. Um, but the other thing, you know, maybe we should mention here is that um, that there is something called the commissioner's exempt list, and uh, and that is a list that you go on, and it is basically. Uh, a paid leave of absence. And that's not what Deshaun was on last year. He spent all of last year out of football with the Houston Texans, but he got paid for that whole year. The only reason why he didn't play, he was basically a healthy scratch every game. The only reason um, why, you know, he, I mean, he got paid. It was just a joint thing between the two, between the player and the team that they were just c- kind of 
you are just not part of the team right now, basically. Right. Uh, but this is different than the commissioner's exemplus, which Roger Goodell, if he feels a player has done something wrong, maybe there are criminal charges pending or the grand jury hasn't convened yet or whatever the case may be, can place a player on the commissioner's exemplus. You do not participate in meetings, practice, games. You still get paid, but you're kind of banished, like you're over there. So uh, Roger Goodell has determined that once the two separate grand juries in Houston decided not to charge Deshaun Watson criminally, that he was not going to place him on the commissioner's exemplus. So these 22 civil cases did not, in his mind, uh, you know, rise to the level of placing uh, Deshaun Watson on administrative paid leave. And unless something else comes up, I still believe that he will hold to that and he will not do that. Um, and I also think that the, uh, according to Deshaun's lawyer, they really do want to uh, tell Deshaun and the Browns and everyone what this su- suspension or what these sanctions are going to be sometime in the next couple months. Paul, when we think about this, you know, the courts are there for a reason, right? The courts, they play obviously in a very important part in American life. Why is it, do you feel that, for instance, Major League Baseball wants to have a separate investigation on its own? Could there be a world where if you are criminally charged, if you are criminally prosecuted and found guilty of something, then your sports league acts. And if you're not, if it's not even that you're not found guilty, it's you're never charged with anything criminally, then maybe that could be enough. If you're not charged criminally, then you can play. Why do you think a sports league like Major League Baseball has its own investigation to make its own determination, Twinsy? Well, I think it, it all goes back to, uh, the, you know, kind of the all-powerful, uh, you know, power of the commissioner. We've seen this since 1918 in baseball, where the Black Sox, who threw the World Series, you know, were found innocent in court, and then they were still suspended for life you know, by, uh, by the commissioner. Um, so I think that those rules are still in effect. That's why, uh, you know, you know, that this whole process went through what Bauer was, like we said, not charged and, uh, they still dropped the hammer on him. Um, and there was, I think there's also, uh, you know, with every other case, uh, when a player's, you know, been, uh, charged or found guilty of or suspended, but in the in the sexual conduct uh, under this policy, the, you know the the player has appealed. No, the player has not appealed. They've has reached a, an agreement, right? Then they've then they've meted out a set, uh, you know, a, a punishment. Bauer is the first guy to appeal, you know, his this this uh, this uh, you know suspension, and uh, I think that's that's kind of kicked in this thing. So I, as you said, Mary Kay. With the new rules, the new structure in the NFL, this is sort of the first time of the potential, the three-step process in the NFL. And Hoinsey, what you're saying, because Trevor Bauer did not come to an agreement with Major League Baseball, this is the first test of the three-step process, where now it's the commissioner, and then you get to the arbitration panel because they didn't agree on something. They didn't agree on the punishment. He's fighting it. Yeah, and that's, you know, for this specific policy, the sexual assault child abuse policy because we baseball has been through this numerous times with performance enhancing drugs you know the charges a rod got suspended you know in the whole uh, 2014 season 
you know, for, for PEDs. And that went through an arbitration process. So, you know, they've been through this before, but never, you know, with under this, this specific policy. And Mary Kay, we'll let you get out of here on this one. For any sports league, we know that the commissioners work for the owners, right? That they work at the behest of the owners. What is the right balance, you think, in how much power a commissioner should have over the individual fate of a player? Can a, play, can a commissioner have too much power? Clearly, there has been this intermediary step that's been established in the NFL. Has this been an issue that has been difficult for the NFL to navigate, to figure out how much power Roger Cadell should have here, or is it not that big a deal? It's pretty straightforward. He runs the league. He should have some say. No, I I think that uh, everyone agreed that it was important to have that intermediary step that, uh, that they needed to do something other than have him be uh, the person that determines everything. There have been some issues along the way where, uh, you know, he's been criticized for not suspending someone long enough, suspending them too long. So I think this, uh, you know, this takes that out of the equation and uh, it lets someone else, another professional weigh in on what this should be. And then, you know, then they can kind of go from there. So I think it's good, uh, you know, that they did that. But now they're going to have to see how it goes, because if she says two games, and then he said, no, I don't like that. Let's suspend him for two years. I mean, then then that's going to be uh, incongruous. And I don't think that will be good for what they're trying to accomplish here. So um, so I think that uh, they're going to have to probably work through some of it. But um, but I think the fact that they have it laid out like this is it's at least a good way to start. And there is some precedent uh, on the Cleveland Browns, some recent precedent for a player that wasn't charged criminal, criminally that had, now this was a completely different situation and they're all, you know, their own individual cases, but Kareem Hunt wasn't charged criminally when he was suspended eight games for his altercation uh, in, in the hallway of his downtown apartment building with a woman. So, um, so that, you know, that's one of those situations where the NFL steps in and says, we have a higher standard of behavior here. And like, that's not how you're going to roll in this league. I lied. Mary Kay, I lied. I have one more for you. I was going to let you go. I can't help it. That's okay. Do you think, and and again, you're on top of every aspect of this, there certainly is a, the league wants to do what it perceives to be right. But optics, public perception, they affect every aspect of life. Mm -hmm. We have seen the two-year suspension for Trevor Bauer, which is now being appealed. Do you believe that it could have any influence on the final decision of what happens with Deshaun Watson? You know, I mean, in a perfect world, you would hope that, you know, each league would kind of stay in its own lane and handle these things as they see fit and take each case as its own individual entity and just put the blinders on and do your investigation and go from there. But the truth of the matter is people are human. I mean, even these professionals, even former federal judges and commissioners of leagues are, you know, are human. There is the court of public opinion. And I do think that, um, you know, even though I know that the NFL will try very, very hard uh, not to let the Trevor Bauer suspension impact what it does, I think in some ways it's in the back of everyone's mind. And, uh, you know, it, it might actually have some influence whether 
consciously or subconsciously or whatever, uh, there, there could be some thought given to, hey, if they're doing that over there, you know, we, we might have to bring the hammer down a little harder over here. So, I mean, I suppose it, it, it could have that type of, of an impact, even though everyone will deny, deny that it will. I feel like we should have you guys like sing a duet or something. I mean, this is, these are two Hall of Fame sports writers in the same podcast. Do you guys know Islands in the Stream? <laughs> I do, Paul. Do you? I'm not sure. I don't, you, you wouldn't want to hear me sing it anyway. <laughs> I feel like we need a staff karaoke night. Maybe we'll line that up and we'll have Mary Kay and Paul take the stage and we'll record it and put it on our YouTube channels. Uh, for now, Mary Kay Cabot, you're all over it. Thank you so much for joining us here for this discussion. Sure. My pleasure, guys. See you, Mary Kay. Hoynes and I will be back to talk about this more right after this. Doug Maurice and Paul Hoynes back to discuss a little bit more of this situation. This two-year suspension for Trevor Trevor Bauer that is currently being appealed, Paul, uh, as you said, most of the, all the previous situations under this particular sexual misconduct policy had been agreed to um, by the player and the league. Were you surprised at all by the length of this suspension when it was announced at two years? I, I, I to be to be honest, Doug. Yeah, I was I was surprised, but you know, there's been some there's been some uh, other other you know uh, revelations that have come out. You know, the uh, Washington Post has written written about two other women that had relationships with uh, Bauer along the, along the same lines that the San Diego woman, you know, went to court over. Uh, so and one uh, one in both from Ohio, one from when uh, Bauer was playing with uh, class AAA Columbus one and one when he was, uh, I think, with Cincinnati, more with Cincinnati when he was playing with Cincinnati. So I think that played into it. And, you know, I know people have uh, insinuated that, uh, you know, part of uh, the length of this suspension had to do with the kind of the adversarial relationship between Manfred and Bauer. I mean, it, you know, Bauer never missed a chance to take a shot at, at the commissioner during on, on social media. You know, he he, he ripped them for uh, the uh, the the uh, sign his decisions on the sign stealing thing with the uh, Houston Astros. There was, you know, the pace of play, the uh, sticky substance on the ball, you know. So, you know, Bauer has taken some pot shots at, at the commissioner. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I can see where the out, some outside influence, you know, the outside from people looking from the outside looking in might think that that had something to do with the length of this suspension. But I don't think that's the case. But but, it, you know, I can see why, you know, you, you would think that. So Deshaun Watson is obviously a very well-known, high-achieving player in the NFL, plays the sports marquee position. But Hoinsey, Trevor Bauer was the reigning Cy Young Award winner when he initially was taken off the field in the middle of 2021, and now the suspension comes down in 2022. 2020, in the shortened season, wins the National League Cy Young Award uh, for the Cincinnati Reds. He's he's probably not Deshaun Watson in the hierarchy of the best or most famous players in each of their leagues, but he's no small potatoes here. The idea that a, you know, this is happening to a guy um, 
who had, who had just then after after winning the Cy Young Award with Cincinnati signs a three year hundred million dollar deal in L A. High achieving, big money player now for the Dodgers for a marquee franchise. Yeah, it does feel like Trevor Bauer is a little antagonistic, and that should not affect this. But I think you bring up a good point that maybe people think it did, maybe it did. We don't know. But this guy is a star, Hoynes, right? I mean, there should be no mistake about that. If we're trying to compare Deshaun Watson and Trevor Bauer, I do think Deshaun Watson probably occupies a larger role in the NFL, but it's not apples and oranges. It's maybe shades here. These are two stars. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, he, he he one of the best pitchers in the game. And uh, this guy, uh, Doug, if, if, if the suspension holds, he he won't be able to he, – he will probably come – he would wouldn't be able to he wouldn't be able to pitch from uh last season when he was put on administrative leave until he's 33 years old. Yep. So, you know, it so th- this is there's a lot at stake for him right here. This is a guy that, you know, kind of, you know, reinvented himself, he made himself a great pitcher. Um he brought, you know, the Statcast era into a lot of, you know, the, a lot of the pitching, a lot of his teammates, I mean, his teammates in Cleveland, you know, couldn't get enough of his theories and, and his, uh, you know, statistical knowledge and, and how to better themselves, you know, through video and, and off-season training. And, and, and this guy, um, you know, Bauer, he went, he toured in Japan. He wanted to be, he said he wanted to be the international face of baseball. And uh, so this, he had lofty ambitions and now, you know, he's he's he didn't pitch for the last 81 games of last season. He was suspended for the first 18 this season. And now, you know, we might not see him until what, 2024. Yeah. I mean, two and a half years in the midst of his prime after a Cy Young Award season with a hundred million dollar contract. Um, that that is a big deal. I do want to talk about the Cleveland aspect of this, Hoinsey, because I had thought about this as both these things were unfolding with Deshaun Watson and Trevor Bauer, because we all know the situation in the 2017 NFL draft where the Browns could have drafted Deshaun Watson. And it felt like for a long time, like, oh man, I can't believe they blew that. They could have had Deshaun Watson and Trevor Bauer was here until he was traded uh, at the deadline in the middle of the 2019 season. So the idea that, Hey, Cleveland could have had Trevor Bauer and Deshaun Watson in the midst of all this turmoil. Wow, Cleveland was lucky to escape it. And then Cleveland goes and welcomes one here, like takes on the troubles. (laughs) So the Browns made that decision. They kind of wish they would have had Deshaun Watson. Then it was like, oh, thank goodness they don't have him. And then they decided they do want him. But Paul, what can you, I mean, I'm sure you can imagine it because it's not that far off. Because listen, some of the things that happened, happened, two of the accusers happened while he was playing for Cleveland. How would the Guardians have handled this, do you believe? What would it have done to the franchise? How would they have handled it if he was still a member of this team while this while these accusations and then suspensions came around? Oh, geez. <laughs> That's a great question, Doug. I, I think uh if you know, I think you can draw kind of a similar uh, you know, pattern with the Mickey Calloway situation. Uh, how, how they reacted when that news of, you know, the, uh, their pitching coach, uh, you know, 
you know, uh, you know, like har- harassing women after right. but that didn't break until he became a manager of the Mets. But, you know, they really uh, took a deep dive into their organization, tried to repair, you know, open the lines of communication if this was going on. Um, but I think uh, the, I think they would have been stunned. I really do. I think they would have been shocked. And uh, and I think uh, they would have had to take some, you know, some really big steps to, uh, you know, kind of correct the culture in in uh, from top to bottom in the, in the franchise. So listen, th- th- this is a difficult situation. These are human issues. These are real life issues that we are talking about because these guys are famous athletes and because they play sports and people care about those sports and people in Cleveland care about those sports. So here are we trying to judge who did a worse thing? Does Sean Watson or Trevor Bauer? That's not really what we're trying to do here, but we do. And, and, and we don't mean to make it about sports, except it is about sports because their their leagues, their employers are making determinations about their careers based on what they did out in the real world. So here's the baseball discussion of that. Paul, the Dodgers are paying him $100 million a year, right? They make a plan. Hey, we're the Dodgers. We're going to sign the Cy Young Award winner. Oh, awesome. We're going to add him to Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller and Julio Arias. And the, oh, the the rotation in LA is going to be awesome. And then Trevor Bauer's gone and they're the Dodgers and they're okay because they're the Dodgers and they have talent and money out the wazoo. If the, if the guardians from a, from a baseball standpoint, Paul, if they had said, this is our guy, if they had committed to Trevor Bauer, the way they just committed to Jose Ramirez, we're not going to pay this guy. We're not going to pay this guy. We're not going to pay this guy, but this guy will pay him. He's our ace for the next three years. We're ponying up $100 million for Trevor Bauer. What would that have done to the franchise that they are not dealing with losing a player that they maybe could have decided to count on at a place where you can't just say, eh, we'll get some other guy the way the Dodgers can? Yeah, basically, uh, you know, the Dodgers paid Bauer $38 million last year his whole basically his whole salary for not pitching i mean yep. and uh I, I don't think cleveland could have afforded to do that you know on now you know that he's been suspended and he's put been put on the restricted list and is basically still property of the dodgers they don't have to pay him if if this suspension holds they they will save probably about 60 million dollars so you know i i guess Cleveland would have had that going for them if if the same thing, you know, if the same series of events happened, you know, they with with Bauer had signed a multi-year deal here, but still it would have been devastating to the the organization just be, having to pay that much money w- without getting any return. I mean, I I don't see how that that works on with the you know, with a payroll like uh, the Guardians have. Yeah. And again, like uh, the baseball conversation of this, I just happened to be there. I'm, I have not, I'm not around the guardians all that much, but I was there in 19 at the deadline when he got traded. And um, it just, you got this vibe from Tito and everybody there is like, Oh, you know, this guy kind of, and it's like, and Bauer's kind of like, well, you know, I'm not. and there was like, even like a little bit of like a harump thing on both sides as he exits out the door uh, that season. Um, just from a baseball standpoint, when they made that decision, Pointy, right? Not, uh, you know, none of this outside stuff, off the field stuff, none of it had come to light at that point. This is a baseball decision. Did you think it was the right baseball decision 
for them to trade Trevor Bauer at that time? Or did you think, oh, man, they might have been better off trying to keep this guy? Well, Bauer wasn't going to get – he wasn't – he wanted to get paid. He was, what, a year away from free agency. And, uh, you know, yep. in talking to the front office, you know, he hadn't won a Cy Young yet. He had, I think he got hurt that year. He got hit hit by a line drive, uh, or no, the year before he got hit by the line drive and missed time. And that was the same year, 2019, where he took the ball. He was frustrated in Kansas City and threw it over the fence, uh, over the center field fence in the game. And two days later, he got traded. So I, I just think, you know, from what I heard, uh, Trevor wanted to get paid like a Cy Young winner. Okay. When he talked, whenever he talked to the Indians, but he hadn't won a Cy Young, you know, he hadn't won the one yet. He thought he, he thought he deserved it better. He thought he was better than Kluber, but he didn't, he didn't win it that year. And, uh, and he was, he was always talking about the one year contracts. And uh, I, you know, the, the Indians thought he was, I mean, well, the Indians then they thought he was, they liked him. They, you know, Chris Antonetti loved the guy the year he was drafted. You know, he's, he had like before, during, before the draft, Antonetti sat down and talked to him for about two hours, getting his philosophy on pitching. That's why they were so eager to get him from Arizona while, when Arizona had kind of thrown up their hands and said, enough is enough. We've got to get rid of this guy. Cle- you know, Cleveland welcomed him with open arms. They'd helped develop him into the pitcher he is. And, uh, but I think a lot of Trevor Bauer goes, a little Trevor Bauer goes a long way, I think. Yeah. I can remember this is the first time I ever met or came across a man named Paul Hoynes. It's when I was still uh, around the Philadelphia Phillies. I had been a beat writer for the Philadelphia Phillies and was still around the team helping coverage. I think it was in 04. It's when the Phillies opened their new ballpark, Citizens Bank oh, okay, Ballpark. Yeah. And, and Cleveland came to play an exhibition game. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. That was one of the like the first game in that park. And it's Jim Tomey was a Philly at that point. And so uh gosh, who was the old who's the Indians GM who went to Toronto? Mark uh, uh, Mark Shapiro. Mark, Mark Shapiro. Shapiro. My God, I should. So he's having a, a a discussion. I think he's talking to you and Sheldon Ocker and Jim Ingram. You guys are hanging out on the beat yeah. on the third baseline. And I like went over uh because I wanted to ask, talk to him about Jim Tomey. And uh, and and uh, I think you looked at me and said, "Get out of here, punk!" No, no. <laughs> if you knew me, then you would have said that. But I, I always remember this: that Mark Shapiro said this. He said, "It's it's so helpful when your your best player is also the best person on the team." And he was talking about that from a Jim Tomey perspective, yeah. and that has always stuck with me through everything I've ever covered since then. And it's certainly he's not the only person to express that. But I will say, Hoinsey. In this world where you are investing, you are investing in the person because if the person does something, it can affect the player, as we are seeing right now. Trevor Bauer and Deshaun Watson didn't do something on the field. They did something off the field that is affecting their ability to be on the field. You are investing in the person, and it does. it is just a little bit of a different equation if you can't trust the person as much as you trust the player. And I think, you know, again, we didn't know what the situation was or what the accusations against Trevor Barrow would be. But to me, 
When Jim Tomey left Cleveland and the Phillies made that investment, they're investing in a power hitter, but they're also investing in, hey, this is this guy. We trust this guy. And when the Browns pay Miles Garrett and they pay Denzel Ward and they pay Nick Chubb, they say, hey, these are great players, but we're investing in these guys too. We believe in them. I do think both of these situations that the that the Guardians got out of it, not knowing what was coming, but I, as you said, a little Trevor Barrett goes a long way, that they avoided it. They did not invest. And the Browns are choosing to invest. Now, do we think, does this mean 22 civil suits? Does that mean Deshaun Watson's not a good person? I don't know. He has 22 civil suits against him. Make your determination on that. How does that matter, Hoinsey? If you were a GM or an executive with a payroll or a salary cap or limitations, how much would you factor in the, the person that you believe, how much would that factor into your evaluation of the player, especially when you're deciding whether to pay them or not? I think that goes a long way, Doug. I mean, they, I mean, you're, you're, you know, it's not like you're just picking up a guy in, in, uh, at June for, for the stretch run, you know, you're, if you're going to pay him Watson kind of money or the, or the kind of money that Dodgers paid Bauer, you're looking for a guy that's going to be a face of the franchise guy, kind of a cornerstone guy that you can build your team on that, that like you said, you, you, you invest in him on the field and off the field. So yeah, that's a serious commitment. When Jose Ramirez, when the guardians make that investment, it's like, Hey, this guy is one of the best offensive players in the American league, but we're investing in this guy. They can believe in what Jose Ramirez is and what he's going to bring to the franchise on and off the field. That had to be part of that evaluation, right? Definitely. It, it, it you know, and it certainly, you know, think of all the great players that have been uh, come through Cleveland, the baseball players, you know, Francisco Lindo or Tommy, uh, you know, uh, Bell and, and Lofton and, and CC Sabathia and Cliff Lee and, and, you know, all those, all those great players. And at one point or the another, they all said, I want to stay in Cleveland. I'd love to stay in Cleveland. But for circumstances, either the club couldn't pay him, didn't want to pay him, they got traded. None of them did, except the one guy that doesn't say a whole lot, Jose Ramirez. And, yeah. you know, he made the commitment. They made the commitment back. And I think part of the reason was they knew that he was comfortable here. They, he wanted to stay here. He wasn't looking over the fence to the, to the next big payday. So, Hoinsey, we'll get your last opinion on this. I asked Mary Kay this question. When you see, and again, we are in the midst of Trevor Bauer's appeal right now. There should be news on this sooner than later about whether this two-year suspension is potentially reduced. Do, would you imagine, do you think what Major League Baseball has done with Trevor Bauer and whatever they do with this appeal, do you think it could have any effect on how the NFL handles Deshaun Watson? You know, I think, uh, you know, it seems like the NFL, you know, has has a reputation of being, you know, it's America's sport now. You know, baseball's kind of been, you know, stuck on a, on a you know, a back burner. The, the NFL has, has passed it by in so many different things. Uh, and so in that regard, I would think they would try not to be influenced by, by, the, by the Bauer decision. I, I think they would try to, you know, make this in, in, a, in, a, in a, a void, you know, not, not, not to be, uh, you know, 
not to be just be influenced by it. But I guess it's it's hard not to if 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 this stands for Bauer, you know, two years and Watson, you know, gets off with a four game suspension. I, you know, I think there's going to be some, there's obviously going to be some uh, criticism directed toward the league. But the, the difference is, I think, as Mary Kay so put it so well, you know, uh, the commissioner in, in the NFL has the final say. He can, he can correct any, you know, shortcomings that he feels in, in the, uh, you know, in the decision process, you know, of, of this. So, you know, he's still got the final say no matter what. And, you know, he can maybe equal it out in his mind. It, the one thing that I do think matters, I think, when you try to look at the cases is both are potentially a pattern that Deshaun Watson is facing 22 civil suits. Neither is a one off. Trevor Bauer had two accusers. And on the day that he then was suspended for two years by Major League Baseball, a third accuser came out. And with Trevor Bauer, it's consensual, consensual relationships that then get physical to a point that the people involved are no longer comfortable with from a physical standpoint. With Deshaun Watson, they start off as consensual massages. And then now the civil suits, they reach a point where the, the masseuses involved are no longer comfortable. So Starts off consensual, then gets to a point where the other people involved are not comfortable, and it's a pattern. It's a, at least among the accusations, it's a pattern. Kareem Hunt was a one-time thing, right? As far as we know, right? That 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 was he was punished for an action in a hallway in a moment. I do think that matters a little bit, Paul. And I will be curious. I would say, in the end, if you were someone who was hoping for a shorter Deshaun Watson suspension two years for Trevor Bauer, I don't think is what you wanted. I think it could have an impact because I do think two years to four games or six games, you know, three Bauer accusers is two years. 22 Bauer accusers is, is four games or six games for Watson. That math might be a little off. Again, it's not the exact same thing. The accusations with Trevor Bauer, the accusations again are physical, moving toward domestic violence situations. That is not the case with Deshaun Watson, but again, it is non-consensual sexual misconduct, which both are charged with. So we're not trying to compare those who, which is worse, which is, but patterns. I think the pattern multiple accusers of similar actions is what matters here. Of course, we'll keep you guys posted. I hope I know, I, I know Hoynesy and Mary Kay helped me. Just understand the rules of how this works, the processes, how they're similar, how they're different. We all have different opinions about how things maybe should play out, but I think it helps when we all have a, a, a foundation and a basic understanding of how things work. Hoinsy, good luck with the Guardians, man. Stephen Kwan, right? That's your guy. You got all kinds <laughs> of things. Definitely, definitely, Doug. We'll see. We'll see how they do. They're maybe the, they got to. They got to start playing a little bit better here. You, you can get, and you get, you can add a couple more hours, miles per hour to Beaver's fastball, right? You can get yeah, that up, yeah. help them with that. Yeah. There's, there's something missing there. The velo is down. Don't worry. Hoinsy will get it fixed. Hoinsy, <laughs> Hoinsy will solve all the problems. Thanks, of course, to Mary Kay Cabot for her expertise. Thanks to Paul Hoins for his expertise. I'll tell you, folks, this isn't normal. This is not how it works. There are not many places in the country where you could get two beat writers, two longtime experts on two major uh, sports franchises in your city like we have here at cleveland.com. 
with Paul Hoynes and Mary Kay Cabot. We're privileged to have them. It was great to have you guys together. We will look forward to Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. We'll make it happen. (laughs) We'll get it on YouTube. For now, thanks to you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time on a Cleveland.com podcast. Thanks, Doug.